New York City. You are now rapping with 50 Cent. You gotta love it. I just wanna chill and twist a lot Catch stunts in my 745 You drive me crazy, shorty I need to see you and feel you next to me I provide everything you need And I like your smile, I don't wanna see you cry Got some questions that I gotta ask And I hope you can come up with the answers, baby Alright, Burke, so let's transition over to the Hall of Fame voting That was just last week Yep mm -hmm. Are you surprised that nobody got in this round? Uh, surprised, no. But disappointed, yes. I mean, there's obviously several Hall of Famers on the ballot, Hall of Fame-worthy players on the ballot. So disappointed that no one reached that 75.75% uh, threshold. Kurt Schilling, I think, was like 14 votes short, 16 votes short, oh, uh, which just yeah. really stings when you set, when you hear that 14 voters, people that had the privilege of voting turned in empty ballots, which of course count as a, a vote against them and, and hurts their percentage. So uh, yeah, disappointed that that Schilling, Bonds, Clements, a bunch of these other guys aren't in. How about you? I thought, I thought Schilling would get in just based off where he was the previous year. I think, so he was yeah, 14 votes shy and last year he was 70% and this year he's 71%. Right. And Which then, is, typically yeah. they there is a little bit more of a bump than what he got. But more than 1%. <laughs> um yeah, hit a lot he certainly didn't get any better or worse as a player in the past year, but um obviously a lot of his off the field um antics probably played into that. And then he asked to be taken off the ballot next year. Correct. He he's he's tired of the political game, which I I can. There's not many things I agree with Kurt Schilling on. This might be one of them. Like it, he's sick of he's sick of the being run through the ringer. Um, and he said, let's just fast track this and get me to the veterans committee, and, and he thinks they'll vote him in. And they probably, you know, I I don't know if they will. The veterans committee voted in Harold Baines last year, who. Uh, as a White Sox fan, like, am I happy for him? Yeah, but he's he's not a deserving Hall of Fame player. So I think I think it means less when you get in via the Veterans Committee than than voted on by the the Baseball Writers Association. But the Baseball Writers Association has dropped the ball uh, certainly this year and several years prior. I won't go down my uh, Tim Raines uh, as I campaigned from him for most of the last decade to get in. But I think if I look at what from a White Sox, I know they played for multiple teams. Mm -hmm. If I look at from the White Sox perspective of just kind of a Harold Baines versus a Tim Raines. Yeah. If yeah. I look at those two guys, I think Tim Raines is a Hall of Famer. And I think Harold Baines is a very good player. He's not a yes. Hall of Famer. Would you agree? I, I would definitely agree. Like there's there's a lot of value in what Harold Baines did as a designated hitter, had a lot of longevity. You know, he accumulated like 2,800 hits. And yeah. that's, that's, I think his claim to fame to get him in, but he wasn't a productive player in his last few seasons. And um, he wasn't a dominant player. Um, there was never a period of the game where he was, you know, a, a top five player in the game. And that, that to me is more important than, 
someone who can stay healthy for 20 years. I put a lot of stock in that staying healthy, getting yourself in the lineup for 20 years, 162 game grind. But for me, when I'm talking about a hall of fame player, I'd rather look at a guy who was just absolutely dominant for a shorter period of time and truly one of the best players in the game. To me, that's, that's more important. So you said you weren't surprised. Are there other guys that are on the list that are not yet in that you believe will be, or at least should be, I should say, in the Hall of Fame someday. So Bonds and Clemens for me, obviously, I think they're two of the, the all-time best players. Now, the, people have strong opinions as to why they shouldn't be in, and we could probably go on for hours on that. But, you know, that's just, that's just how I feel. A guy that I feel doesn't get enough love on the ballot, I think he came in ninth on this ballot with like 40, uh, 30, 34% is Andrew Jones. Like we're talking about possibly – the best defensive center fielder of all time. And oh, by the way, he, he was a pretty good power hitter too. You know, hit hit 434 home runs. Uh, the, the problem with Andrew Jones, I think, is he was dominant for the first part of his career and then he absolutely fell off a cliff um, the last three or four years. And that that's hurt some of his his accumulating stats. It hurt, hurt some of his averages because we're talking like he was – pitiful like hitting below 200 his last couple of years um but again for me i put more weight into a player's prime and during his prime we're talking about the best defensive center fielder in baseball in, in my mind probably one of the best defensive players in baseball history who was also you know he's not a one-tool player he also brought a lot from the power game um you know i, I think he he has a good case it's only in his fourth year and he's gaining votes and maybe maybe by his 10th year he gets in but uh, for me, he's a guy I'd like to see get more love. I agree. I think it is one of the you mentioned one of the like he was I feel like he was the guy after Ken Griffey Jr., who I think won every gold glove in the outfield for the 90s. I want yeah. to say something like that. And then Jones came in, I think you know, he came in like 96, 97, but he then won like nine or ten straight gold gloves right for the next 10 years. I think he kind of took that 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 best outfielder in baseball. Uh, and just kind of passed it on uh, and took it from Griffey, then went on. As you look at his numbers, though, Andrew Jones, are we sure he didn't do performance enhancing drugs? I mean, he was. That's he the thing. Like, like, we're, no, we're definitely not sure because he had that 150 home run season, only had other one other season of 40 home runs. Um, but if, in my opinion, you know, my opinion on the whole performance enhancing drugs thing is the, the floodgates are open. When we have let guys like, Agree. Um, like Mike Piazza, like Pudge Rodriguez, my all-time favorite player. There, there's been smoke on these guys as as potential PED users. Um, also, we know that in the '70s, some of the some of the all-time best players of all time, Hank Aaron, uh, recently passed away, has admitted to taking greenies, which are amphetamines. Now, they don't make you stronger, but those make you in the get in the lineup every day. They're, they're things that wake you up, that, that give you energy and make you focus better. And when, when you're talking about baseball, which is a game where people put a lot of value on these accumulating stats, getting in that lineup every day is very important. So it's not going to take you from being a 30 home run guy to a 40 home run guy, but just maintaining that grind and allowing you to keep accumulating those stats. Now, Hank Aaron would have been in the Hall of Fame regardless, but I'm saying we 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 yeah. I don't think we've calibrated how we're weighting 
amphetamines as a performance enhancing drug and steroids as a performance enhancing drug. So in my opinion, we've, let, we've already let people in the Hall of Fame who have cheated. So when I look at Bonds and Clemens, these are two of the be best of all time, regardless of whatever they did. I think they got to be in as well. Let me give you another name that Jackson and I pulled out of the out of the we thought who should be in the Hall of Fame. And I believe this guy is off the ballot at this point. So it's not like, you know, by yeah. the one, two, six pod and the momentum behind it that we could get this person back in the good graces of the voters. Get him in. Kenny Lofton. I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. And I he's one of the best players that got almost no love from the I, committee how like do you have the numbers in front of you like how many votes he got because i think he was like a one and done guy hold on hold, let's not get let's go to the, the the voting so kenny lofton was removed from the ballot last year and so and last year in his in the in the year that he got removed i'm pulling it up right now as we're efforting for this but kenny lofton was ranked as and I don't understand all the sabermetric stuff. Yeah. But with Jaws, this new stat that I'm just learning what that is. But he's ranked as the ninth best ever center fielder in the history of baseball. Yeah. 622 stolen bases, which puts him in the top, the, uh, in front of many Hall of Famers already. A 299 career batting average, six-time All-Star, four-time gold glove. And he is not, and he's off the ballot as so, a he was only on the ballot for one season and that was in 2013 and got 3.2% of the vote. Now you mentioned it earlier, Tim Raines, you were a proponent of Tim Raines getting in. So was I, if you pull up Tim Raines and Kenny Lofton, they're very similar and their, their styles of play were very similar. We're talking about if, if your best tool is speed and the best way you can help the team is to get on base and be disruptive. Both of these guys could do that fantastically. Kenny Lofton was the best base stealer in his generation. It wasn't the Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson stealing 100 bases generation. It was the 60 stolen bases, and Kenny Lofton was doing that. And when we're talking about, um, you know, he did it. He he wasn't just an accumulator. He was also a dominant player. Like, didn't didn't he win an MVP too? He Jackson's got no. it over here. He didn't win an MVP. He okay. was fourth in the MVP. Fourth in the MVP. But I mean, he was like. He was dynamic on those 93, 94, 94, those Indians teams that were arguably the, if not the best, the second best in baseball and just couldn't get over the top. Yeah. He, they, that team was stacked, but he was the go button on those teams that that got everything wrong. He was the stop, the straw that stirs the drink. It's very, I love it. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great pick. And for a guy, like not a ton of people are talking about him as a Hall of Fame player and it's a it's a crime um because you know had he come up on the ballot a little later during this sabermetric revolution when people understood and were able to quantify his value a little more i think he would have gotten more of a push like tim Raines has gotten a push but i i just i it can't fathom how only three three point seven percent of the people uh thought he was worthy when you know again going back to to the white Sox. Mark Burley got like 10% on the Valley ballot yeah. this fast. And I love Mark Burley. He's not a hall of famer. Kenny Lofton has a better case for a whole, the hall of fame than Mark Burley. Um, who else do you think like could have gotten in? So 
on, on this ballot or just overall? Because there's a guy, there's you a guy. Back. Yeah, overall. How about Rafael Palmero? All right. Ooh. Now, Rafael. again, you can take the, you know, I think I think he's he's definitely had performance enhancing uh, drugs in his past, but he never got more than twelve percent of the vote. Now, I'm going to read you a list. So, there are five people in baseball in the history of Major League Baseball that have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, Eddie Murray, and Rafael Palmero. That's some pretty good company. That's pretty good company. And then, but you're telling me only 12% of the people think he's a Hall of Famer and he, you know, he didn't get the requisite amount. He fell off the ballot. Um, now, it's I, I just it, I can't fathom how it, he he also I think won three gold gloves too so he's not just a one dimensional player I know he spent yeah. a, a good deal of his his time as a designated hitter but um, for me he's a guy that that probably should have got in and if the the veterans committee ever comes around on potential PED users I think he could get in um, Scott Rowland who's on this ballot um, yeah I think he has a case he's an eight time gold glove winner which is the third most among third basemen. Um, 316 home runs, seven all-star games. Um, he's a guy, I think, what did he finish this year in percentage? I don't know, but. 35%. 35%. So um, he's also a volunteer assistant baseball coach for the University of Indiana baseball team. So Jasper, Indiana, state champ back in the day. Yeah. He, but like, you think when people look at guys like a Scott Rowland, they compare him to other third basemen or do they compare him to infielders? See, that's my beef with a lot of like how this is done. Are we looking at Scott Rowland as one of the greatest and you just, just to talk about his defensive abilities, one of the greatest defensive third baseman of all time, hall of fame worthy, just from the defensive standpoint. Yes. Or do you say, look at him as an infielder and you compare him to other infielders, you know, which vary in, you know, Typically, you have a first base and third bit more power, potentially yeah. middle infield, maybe more speed. Like, what do you I, I, I don't know. How do you think they look at that? I think they should look at it amongst their peers at their positions, because every position has different needs and different strengths that are valuable there. Like you mentioned the jaw system that was invented by Jay Jaffe, who I think is he works at Fangraphs now. And that system relies on comparing to um, like minded position players. And it also gives a high weight to their peak. Like I think it's their their seven year peak, which which again, as I mentioned earlier, to me is is something I would wait a little more. So you mentioned you're good with the PED guys and just valuing what they did on the field. And I shouldn't say you're good with PED. <laughs> you're pro PED. Um, but you look so like where does Sosa in your mind stand out of like because you know, if we're going to, if we're going to let them in, where does he sit in your mind? I, I don't think, you know, he did have a peak. He didn't, he doesn't have a lot of, I don't think he has a strong of a case as certainly not, not like bonds. Um, yeah, I'm not saying he does. Maybe I'd, I'd say he's comparable more to like Manny Ramirez and that, that type off the top of my head. I haven't put him side to side. Um, you know, I also give credence to the 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 value that a player has um, 
given to the game of baseball. And for, for you, Howie, I'm sure you remember like the 1998 home run race and how it, oh, how, that one guy. <laughs> uh, Sammy Sosa. Sammy Mark, Sosa and Mark yeah, McGuire. Welcome back, Jackson, to the pod. <laughs> so before that, Jackson, like there was a strike a few years before that in baseball. So the the sporting community and baseball fans in general were pretty down on baseball. So that home run race, uh, along with Cal Ripken's uh, streak the year year or two before that, really saved the game of baseball. And for that reason, I think the commissioner of baseball and a lot of the owners knew about the steroid use. Like they were seeing these guys gain 50 pounds of muscle in the offseason and look like entirely different people and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And they knew it was bringing people into the, they were, it was bringing fans into the stands and they were making a ton of money. So um, they're certainly culpable in this, this PD thing <laughs> crisis that we've had. Quick comparison, Manny Ramirez versus Sammy Sosa on the fly here. So Manny played 19 years. Sammy played 18. We're going to skip the Jaws stuff because no one knows what that is except you. <laughs> they played roughly the same amount of games, 2,302 for, for Manny, 2,354 yeah. for Sammy. We had 1,544 runs for Manny. Sammy had 1,475 hits. Sammy was 2408. Manny was 2574. Home runs. Manny was 555, 555. And Sammy is 609. RBIs. Manny is 1831. Sammy 1667. Stolen bases. 38 to 234. <laughs> Skinny side. Sammy could run. You're right. Skinny Sammy could run. He could move those legs. And then batting average. Manny is a, you know, Manny is a better all around hitter. I'm not, no one's arguing that, but he was yeah. a 312 career average, 411 on base. Sammy was a 273 hitter, 344 with a on base percentage. So Manny was a 411 on base to 344 yeah. on base. That's a big difference right there. That's pretty um, good. I think that's what's, that would be what's hurting Sammy's, Sammy's case is the on base percentage. He, he must not have walked a lot, huh? He liked, he liked to swing. He was, He's a, swinger, a pretty good yeah. swinger. Um, so one other guy here that I'd be this my guy for my guy Paste Williams, Dale Murphy. Oh, again, I mean it's like we sync this up because I'm talking about some players' peak being more important, and Dale Murph, Dale Murphy was the best player in the game for a short period of time. Dale Murphy is a back-to-back MVP. Yeah, I think the only two time besides Bonds. The only two-time MVP to not be in the Hall of Fame. That might be right. I know there's no three-time, aside from Bonds, there's no three-time MVP that's not in the Hall of Fame. It's not my no, right. No, check Juan Gonzalez. I think Juan Gonzalez was a two-time MVP. Oh, that might be right. What do you know about Juan <laughs> Gonzalez? <laughs> you couldn't pronounce the Yankee lineup with Stammen two weeks ago. <laughs> I got to get a prize if I, if I just pulled this. Two-time MVP. Oh, Boom. And, I, look, and I, I bet he didn't get like 5% his first year. Man, that's a good that's a good one. Quick one. Also a great baseball card with the upside-down number, too, on the Tops card. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, are, do, you have, do you have more on uh, Dale Murphy? Uh, so, yeah. so real quick. Uh, can I say stats? Yeah, you can go through his career stats. So he had 400 home runs and 2,000 hits. 
but he only had a 265 batting average in his entire career. So just to correct you, because the 400 home run number used to mean something, he had 398 homers. So some, yeah. some people back in the day, Jackson, to get to 400 was like, you got it. Now, I think that's, that number's kind of faded away, but so he's at 398, but he's, but he had that, that peak where he, for seven, eight years, he was the best. The best, the best. And so he, uh, and in the era he played, there wasn't as many home runs. So he was right, you know, in that early eighties timeframe, the dead ball era where, 25 home runs led the league. Yeah. Like, or, or, or if you were a guy like Rob Deere, you could hit 200 and be in the lineup because you have, you could hit 30 home run potential and you could strike out 200 times. They could, they could potentially let you in because power was so rare back then. So Juan Gonzalez was only on the Hall of Fame ballot twice. His first year, he got above the 5% threshold and stayed on. Next year, he got 4% and fell off. You think he just was an early victim, like got was on the ballot before the the big PED uh, players came on, and they just instantly. Think, yeah, out. like you know, as far as I know, he's never failed a test or anything. But just people people make assumptions on certain guys. Is every guy we're looking at just PED? Dale Murphy wasn't, uh, as far as I know. He was through the '80s, so it made some other uh, stuff there. Exactly, yeah. like. He, Dale Murphy, he had back-to-back MVPs, back-to-back gold gloves, and back-to-back silver sluggers in the two same season. He went back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Okay, so if we're talking about dominant players for a short period of time, then look up Johan Santana. Oh, I know that guy. Like, truly the best pitcher in baseball for probably a five-year span. Which is... On now, Pedro did it longer and did more and won it. Also beat up Don Zimmer, rest in peace. But he, but but Johan was Pedro esque numbers for a few years there. Yeah, look look at this. So in 2004, Cy Young. 2005, third place in the Cy Young. 2000 or yeah, 2006, first place in the Cy Young. 2007, fifth place. 2008, third place. Then he got hurt. Then he got hurt, and he the his issue is so he he didn't he never accumulated those large win totals. Only had well, one he played on some fairly bad teams, but we also know pitching wins now aren't as valuable because pitchers aren't throwing deep into games, um, you know. But f- for a guy like that, he pitched twelve years. He won one hundred and thirty nine one hundred and thirty nine games, but three times he led the league in in ERA. Um, Three times led the league in strikeouts, five seasons over 200 strikeouts, like was was really a dominant pitcher, the dominant pitcher uh, in a five, six year stretch. Not not unlike he wasn't as dominant, but not unlike Sandy Koufax, like Sandy Koufax yeah. is nowhere near 300 wins or but he was unhittable for a period of time and he's got thing. the best uh, four to five year stretch. If you look at it, Jackson, yeah. Cy Young, Cy Young, third place, Cy Young, third place in Cy Young, and then Cy Young. Also an MVP. And then MVP, no. Oh, yeah, MVP once. Yeah, he was 12 years and out. And his also a great book on his story, how he, from uh, New York City, goes to UC, 
can't uh, can throw gas, but can't hit anything. They still draft him, and he's like can't find it. All of a sudden, they change his mechanics, and it's just like shoot. And there goes Sandy Koufax from an ERA that was three fours, three three goes to two point five, then he goes to ones and one point seven three. That's his career high. Yeah, yeah, he he was amazing. Led the league in ERA three five times in a row. So yeah, I mean, and he so he was more dominant than than Johan Santana. But again, we're talking about Johan Santana was on the ballot one time and only got two point four percent of the vote. Now, again, compare that to Mark Burley, who was just on. These two pitched at the same time. No one would say they would take. Mark Burley over Johan Santana at that time when they were in their prime. Then Mark Burley got, you know, 11, 12% because Mark Burley was able to accumulate like, you know, 200 wins and, and Johan flamed out a little, a little earlier, but Johan was a better player, a more dominant player during his peak. Gosh, he was unreal too. That change up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the best change up I've seen. Yeah. Unreal. So as we look at those guys we just mentioned, in your opinion, I think mine too, those guys are all deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, baseball writers had this this holier than now, like we got to keep the hall small, but you're you're killing the game. Like these these Hall of Fame celebrations where people go to Cooperstown and these these greats that we grew up watching that Jackson can now watch, like if Jackson can sit and watch Joey Votto when he gets in the hall of fame, that's going to be a memorable moment for him. If we're just robbing these baseball fans of these moments, um, these baseball runners want to complain, baseball writers want to complain that the game is dying when they're, they're really contributing to it because you're robbing these fans of these moments of, of not voting anyone in, not letting anyone go to Cooperstown to, to make these induction speeches. So I would take all those guys in the hall of fame and we've been circling this, this person for most of the last 20 minutes here. All of those guys are more deserving of the Hall of Fame than the greatest two-tool player in baseball history, Ozzie Smith. <laughs> Ozzie Smith, for those that don't follow me on Twitter and don't know about me posting his stats, Ozzie Smith played 19 years. He has 2,460 hits. 28 homers in an entire career. I got this one, Jackson. This is me. <laughs> 793 RBIs. He has a 262 batting average, which is one of the lowest, lowest since the uh, the lowest since World War One of a player to be named into the Hall of Fame. A 337 career on base percentage. Made a bazillion All Star games because the fans voted him in. One of the best gymnasts to ever play baseball. True. And a, a sharp-looking, very likable guy. He did the great commercials, beautiful smile, great backflips. But a absolute two-tool player, in my opinion, with just speed and defense. Convince me that I'm off on this. Because I think he is just one of those that, took, that got by on being an all-star every year. Playing for great teams, right? Terrific uh, 80s. 80s uh, Cardinal teams, as you talked about, World Series teams there. Mm. But absolutely not a Hall of Famer. I'll let you so, go. 
I feel every single time, every conversation I've had with you over the past 10 years, it's somehow made its way to Ozzy Smith. And today <laughs> is no different. Um, so do I think Ozzy Smith is overvalued and overrated? Yeah, probably. Do I still think he's a Hall of Famer? I do. Like, I do think that he is still one of the all-time best defensive shortstops at a position where shortstop is at a pre where defense is at a premium. So to your point, yeah, he, he's not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. 28 home runs uh, for a career is abysmal. A 260 batting average is, is not good for a hall of famer. Um, but I do think the, you know, there are certainly worse shortstops in the hall of fame. If you pull up uh, Louis Aparicio, he's got, he's got a lower OPS, I think than Ozzie Smith. Um, he won nine gold gloves and was a, a 13 time all-star. He was the guy who went from like 27% his first time on the ballot. And then five years later, he gets in. And I don't understand how that happens. I don't, if, if, if you don't think he's a hall of famer early, I don't know how you gain another 50%, but that's beyond the point. So for me, Ozzie Smith is still a hall of famer. Um, because I, you know, Sean Dunstan is, has a better batting average than Ozzy Smith. And I'm not saying Shawan and a better arm yeah. is a Hall of Famer, but it's Shawan hit 269 <laughs> and Ozzy hit 260. This is this is so you're showing your bias, though. This is a completely a Cubs Cardinals thing if you're comparing. It's not. I, I started this uh, way past way past the early uh, Cubs Cardinals biasness. It, it just goes as I was kind of looking at this a decade or so ago and. I think I was at Champs in Westchester with Paste Williams and we're going through Hall of Fame stuff. He brings a little spreadsheet and we start looking at numbers of infielders in the Hall of Fame. And we're looking at the great, you know, with, you know, guys that did it really well for a short period of Jackie Robinson. You look at some of the great infielders that we've ever had. And then there's Ozzie Smith. And I'm like, wait a second, what? This guy hit 262. I think my original thought was, I'm sure yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. He's Ozzie Smith. And then mm -hmm. you look at the numbers and Great defensively, wins the gold glove every year. Below average hitter, not just power in general. Yeah. Good speed, like great speed, like one of the top, I think, 10 in stolen bases. And, and I stopped. And then I just look at very good backflip. <laughs> good, probably gymnastics. Beautiful smile. Great spokesman for the game. Great ambassador for the game. Not a Hall of Famer with a 262 career average. Nah. Nah, it's two against one that you get, you guys are both both in the no camp as a Hall of Famer. I, For me, he's still a Hall of Famer, um, but I'm, I'm with you that we've overvalued his, his he's, he is overvalued due to his likability, uh, <laughs> being the leader, of, the leader of a team that was successful, <laughs> had a successful run in the eighties and those backflips, like he was a marketable player um, you know, and I think he had, didn't he have restaurants too, with all those like gold glove restaurants and stuff like that? I think yeah, I, I ate at one. So I, <laughs> so I think, I think because he was like the, they slow mode him on this week in baseball. <laughs> I think because they, they slow mode him on that show, like midair, like, you know, 10 feet in the air doing the backflip and like his likability. I think it just, it just ballooned and everyone just, jumped on the bandwagon of this guy is the best. 
when really, if we could have had a Jack Clark or a Willie McGee uh, from those teams be just as likable or, you know, more charismatic as opposed to, you know, I don't know if they were or not, but Willie McGee was not as handsome as Ozzie Smith. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he falls into the Sam Cassell category of uh, not great looking uh, professional athletes. But if we could, if, if there was one other guy that was sharp looking, you know, like a great player, they would be remembered in my opinion as the best player from those teams and probably would reduce Ozzie Smith's ability to get into the hall of fame. I blame Jack Clark. Yeah, I blame Jack Clark. <laughs> well, the real the real problem was then if Keith Hernandez would have stayed on the Cardinals because he's all these things. He he's a good looking guy. He he's marketable. Had he stayed on those Cardinals teams and not went over to the Mets, he, we might be talking about Keith Hernandez Hall of Famer. True. Can we get a quick Jackson Keith Hernandez look up here? Look at it. He's already on it over here. He was an elite defender at first base too. Yes, he was. Take us through the stats of Keith. I think he's got an MVP, right? Uh, Yeah, he has an MVP. 11-time Gold Glove, five-time All-Star, batting title, two-time Silver Slugger, two-time World Series champion, 296 batting average career. More than 262. Keep going. (laughs) More than 28 home runs, 162. Um, Not as much stolen bases. Not as fast. Not Only 98. I think more on base percentage. He has a three eighty four. Three eighty four is a good, good, really good OBP. Yeah. I need to join the Keith Hernandez. You know, start getting him in. <laughs> uh, thousand RBIs. I don't know if that's more than Ozzy Smith or not. But. Uh, yes. Oh uh, yeah. Um. Two thousand hits. Two thousand one hundred eighty two hits. How much is Ozzy Smith now? Hmm. You said how many hits? 2000. Oh, he has 2,400. Repeat that, Jackson. He has 2,182. Ozzy Smith has 2,400. Okay. But he has a 60.3 war. Ozzy Smith only has a 76.9. Okay. Wait. He did it all in 2,000 less at bats, too, than Ozzy Smith. And Keith Hernandez was on the ballot, it looks like, nine times, never got above 10.8%. That's a, that's a travesty. travesty. I agree. He was top five in MVP three times. He was on the MVP voting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times. Man. So, again, that's what I'm talking about. For a period of time, he was one of the best players in the game, one of the best at his position. Came over to New York and won his uh, World Series championship in 86. Two. Two of them? One, yeah, one with the Cardinals and then one with the Mets. Jeez. And Keith Hernandez robbed. He has a 821 on base plus slugging percentage. Well, he's going to dominate. What? What's Ozzy on that? Like 600? For his o- OPS, Ozzy Smith, uh, tell him six six six. Oh, well, that's a sign right there. That's a bad number. Yeah, and he has a OPS plus of one twenty eight. I don't know what that means, but it's better than Ozzy Smith. It would be. It, it means he's twenty eight percent better 
than the players that played it. Like 100 is the average for OPS. He's if he was 128, he was 28 percent better than players at his era. At his yeah. So if we're comparing infielder to infielder, <laughs> for my discussion earlier, Keith Hernandez more Hall of Fame worthy potentially than Ozzy Smith. And he wore a higher number than Ozzy Smith. Okay, that's well. There you go. Yeah, that. And you said, didn't you say like 10 gold gloves for Keith Hernandez? So we're talking 11. So elite defenders at both positions and Keith Hernandez provided a lot more offensive value. Yeah, you got a case here. So I'm not saying Ozzy isn't worthy, but if we're, if we're waiting, if we're waiting defense as heavily as we have for Ozzy. Well, you that's the only thing to wait. (laughs) I know. Then guys like Keith Hernandez, I mean, your boy, Ron Santo, elite defender at third base. It took him until the veterans committed to get on. Deceased. Yep. All right. A couple, a couple mailbag questions from some of the peeps here. Uh, oh. in All right. And support. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know where these came from, <laughs> but the first one they is. Didn't, they didn't, you know where they came from. They didn't just arrive in the mail. Well, it came from uh, JJ Warmeyer's uh, text phone or message. Okay. So, but he asked, I'm nervous. To rank the top three KFC Cubs from one to three as a scout. The KFC Cubs players as a scout. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dave, Ber- Dave Bergman was all time, all time best. Some of the best bat speed I've seen in a high school player. In the state of Ohio, but as a KC Cub, I mean, it came early. Like his dad was, bu- you know, Jerry Bergman was building weight bats um, for his company and giving them to Dave to, you know, as prototypes. Dave was in his garage, like with a weight bat, while we're playing with Transformers. Like all Dave cared about was hitting, ever, and he was damn good at it. So um, Dave Bergman would be number one. Um, JJ would be up there. He was a good two-way player, um, shortstop and pitcher. Top three, though? Top three KC Cup? Um, he, uh, he's he's in the conversation. So Maybe because he asked the question, we'll put him there? Yeah. And then number three, I'd go Burt Granger, who was more of like a Jake Taylor type veteran catcher. Um, <laughs> was, never, was never a very good hitter. A team leader who would go out there and yell at these prima donna pitchers when they were uh, – Know, complaining about their arm hurting, but I'd say, yeah. Uh, it, honorable mention would be, um, oh man, we got, we had some good ones. Josh Clooney was on there for a year. Um, Dan Bergman and then, um, and then Randy Millette, I would say. Randy Millette was an up and comer. What about <laughs> up and comer? What, what about uh, Adam Clooney? Not on, not a KC Cub? No, so so Josh Clooney played on the Cubs before, and then when Adam joined Little League, they paired up Adam and Josh on the Cardinals, and the Cubs and Cardinals had some good good battles. The, in our three years in Little League, the Cubs or what age? Meet, is which this, was by the way? this was fourth fourth through sixth grade. Okay. So, um, the Cubs won two out of the three years the championship, and the Cardinals won the the other one. Um, which was like the Clooney brothers and a few, a few other has-beens and never will be. Um, 
but the Cubs were the dominant team with with me, Dan Bergman, Dave Bergman, and and JJ. JJ sneaking at number two. Jason Barlogi, he's he's he was one too. He's not in the top three, not even close, but he was he was on the team. He was a contributor. Um. Next mailbag question. Again from JJ. From Minster. <laughs> Who has more knowledge on the game of baseball? Burt Granger or Homer Granger? <laughs> it's it's Homer Ganger, who was he was a guy who like um when, when we were playing baseball in New Knoxville, this is a guy who would like ride his bike around New Knoxville and one year in Acme baseball, you know, I'm catching and this guy comes up and he's in the stands and he's like, Hey Granger. Like, yeah. He goes, you take the R out of my name. You got, you take the R out of your name. You got my name. And I just stand up staring at him. He's like, Ganger, Homer Ganger. Oh, okay. And then the next words out of his mouth were like, I rode a thousand miles on my bicycle last year. All right, Homer, good. <laughs> um, so that's a little background on Homer Ganger. And uh, to JJ and the rest of the fans, I didn't know him well. Uh, he, he's recently passed away, but I would say that I have more baseball knowledge than, than Homer Ganger, the late Homer Ganger. So I just looked him up and he did uh, unfortunately pass a few years ago. How, how did you did you know him outside of his bicycle no, rides? And... Not not in the slightest. But we whenever we would play in New Knoxville, he would he was just one of those guys who would, he was like the town mascot. He would ride around town and was certainly not shy if he's just talking to high school kids on the baseball field, <laughs> like while we're taking infield. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Well, that's all the mailbag questions we had from all our listeners. <laughs> we hope, when we have you back on next time, we'll definitely open this up <laughs> to other listeners and perhaps those that are listening to this one, which is may have, this may have to be a two-part one with all the content we've covered. We may have to open it up to uh, to those others that can email us at the mailbag at the one two six pod dot com. Yeah, we'll make that a website. Uh, I, can you repeat that again? I did. I missed that. At the mailbag. At, we got at our own. We got our own domain. Oh, okay. We got our own stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Actually, we don't. We got to work on getting that set up. But we will uh, for our folks. You can just drop us a, a comment on Twitter. Uh, uh, contact Kurt, contact Kurt Albers. He can set all that up stuff up for you. He's done it for me. True. Good point. All right, Burke. Well, this was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it, and we really want to. Uh, have you back on here and discuss more things than just Ozzie Smith and uh, Hall of Fame voting. There's a lot of other stuff, especially as we get into actual baseball season, which it looks like the union, uh, I guess, didn't approve of the uh, MLB's or MLB's um, offer to delay the season. So they'll be getting going here with spring training in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll open the season hopefully on time and hopefully with fans soon after that. So, but we want college season. College season starts February 19th. So. Wow. I will be hopefully hitting the road and checking out some premier college baseball. Well, as soon as we get you, as soon as we get you on the road or right to it, or actually before that, we'd love to get your, uh, your insights into who's going to shine this year predictions for uh, biggest risers coming up to the draft here in the next uh, four or five months. So 
want to get you back on to do that. And maybe some more mailbag questions, maybe even a Homer Ganger, uh, another comment from some others that had experienced uh, <laughs> So, Anytime, man. Thanks for having me on. This is the, the hottest podcast uh, on the internet, and it's, it's really an honor to be chosen. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks again, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. I don't know what you heard about me. Put up this shit, get a dollar out of me. No Cadillac, no.